Ladies and gentlemen, a good Friday to you all, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Baseball, right here on WWBG 1470 AM, one NGSC Sports Network, and of course, as always, on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We are also streaming on a number of different social media platforms, such as what Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. I'm sure I missed something out there. LinkedIn. Let's not forget our good friends from LinkedIn. They're on as well. Um, want to go ahead and introduce, which you can see him up already, my co-host from the score, it's Brett Wiseman. We also want to go ahead and recognize, as we do every week since we started this program, five terrific Facebook groups that have supported us all year long. And I say all year long because we are starting to get down to the end of the 2023 season which we'll talk about in a minute, but let's welcome the groups. Um, Real Baseball Talk on Facebook. BaseballTalkBASports.com on Facebook. Baseball Life on Facebook. Baseball A Way of Life on Facebook. And Traditional Baseball Fans. All of these groups are terrific groups. They've kept us up to date. I know I'm a member of all of them, and they've kept us up to date on a lot of the situations going on in Major League Baseball. How you doing tonight, Brett? I'm doing great. It's always a great night in September. I'll tell you what, September, it isn't only September, Brett. It's the end of September, and we're going to go ahead and hit on some of the big stories that are going on right now as we come to the end of the season. And in the second uh, segment, we're going to go ahead and hit and drill down on some tremendous, tremendous wildcard races that are going on in both leagues. But, Brett, I want to start out with this. Shotei Otani. Shotei Otani is, uh, I guess it's safe to say, he is definitely done for the season. And, you know, it's definitely the right choice. You and I have talked about this numerous amounts of times about, you know, how long are they going to hold on to this guy? Let him just sit out the season. The Angels aren't going anywhere. No reason to risk him anymore. We both know they made the right decision. But now the question comes up, which I don't think is a question as far as I'm concerned, but I want to know your opinion on you know, based on what you think the media thinks, is Shohei Otani still the AL MVP? You know, I I don't know. I don't think so. Um, because I feel like it's a disservice to the guys that played the played the full campaign uh, to give him that award. As much as I love and adore Shohei Otani. Um, but even, even, uh, now, hold on one sec. Even with the statistics, he's been 304, 44 homers, 95 RBIs. Listen to this OPS, Brett 1.066. And we haven't even talked about him pitching yet. 10 and 5, 167 strikeouts, and 132 innings, and a 3.14 ERA. Even though he's missed, he's going to miss a month of the season, basically. You're saying that might not be enough? I'm saying it is, um, but I, I'm not. I'm not like a hundred percent sure. To me, it's enough. Um, but to traditional baseball writers and how they vote on Hall of Fame things and awards like this, and have done so in the past, um, I can't trust or predict what the writers are going to say on this. But the saving grace for Shohei Otani is. He has all those stats to back him up. He won't have needed that last month. So there won't be the argument of, well, he didn't play the last month, so he didn't do this, 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 this. Well, he did it by August 16th, okay? So <laughs> to me, 
that's more than enough proof. But how I'm looking at it is, are the baseball writers and how they vote on things, are they going to be smart enough? Are they going to use common sense, which is not something they do often when they vote that on things correct. like this? Are they yep. going to be able to use common sense to decide this? I, you know, that's a great point because how many times have we seen things not necessarily go? I mean, Derek Jeter, one voter did not vote him into the Hall of Fame the first year. You never who know. Who was that guy? I don't know who it was. But I'll tell you what, uh, it's just, I mean, it's just those things you just never, ever, ever know what's going to happen. Let's move on. Uh, another story. Um, and Brett, you'll definitely agree with me. I, you know, we get sick sometimes of talking about stories like this. But J.C. Mahire, Milwaukee Brewers, they're in first place, going to win their division within the next couple of days, suspended for 162 games. For those of you folks that don't realize what that is, the first-time offender is 80 games, I believe. Second time yes. is 162 games, which means, which is a full season. So J.C. Mahire yeah. is basically suspended for, I would guess, most of next year till the very last two weeks of the season. I mean, you know, one time, even though they should know it, I say, all right, maybe she took something they didn't know. It does happen, even though you would think with the trainers and everything we have in Major League Baseball, they would know. But two times, there's no excuses for it. Yeah, it, there's a difference between being Fernando Tatis and your ringworm cream accidentally had uh, high levels of testosterone in it, as he claimed. Uh, or in J.C. Mejia's case, uh, this is the, the second uh, bout of HGH that you've been discovered with or whatever he had on him. Uh, w once is a mistake, uh, twice is on purpose is the view of Major League Baseball on PEDs has been for the longest time, and it will continue to be. Um, so, J.C. Mejia wasn't a huge part of the team, but... That's right. He, still, he wasn't. He still, would, he still would have liked to have been in the dugout for, for this October run, wouldn't he? So, you, you just look at a situation like this, and, and you go, dude, you were going to just be on the... You were going to be riding the pine for a postseason run. That's fun. And you would have been paid to do it. Yet you yeah. have to go out and do something stupid like this? Like what? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it, you know, especially it's not helping them any. Uh, so, I mean, at the end of the day, stupidity, you know, what does Forrest Gump say stupid is, stupid does? Well, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I'll tell you what, just incredible. But it brings me to another story, and I want to talk sincerely to you about this because I was listening to Speaking a of writers voting on things. Correct. And also, um, I heard an article today, uh, not an article, excuse me, an interview with Mark McGuire. And it was a really, really good interview. And he was talking about how the time that him and Bonds and Clemens think Sosa's name might have came up too. Uh, but at the time they were using PEDs, there was never any rules in Major League Baseball stating that you could not use them. I mean, there was never anything concrete like there is now with uh, PEDs and all that stuff in baseball. So he feels for that reason, since there was no rule in place, even though people may assume it being wrong using enhancing drugs, they weren't against it at that time because they would have made a rule if, you know, Major League Baseball didn't want it. In your opinion, uh, you know, you do shows, you do writing, you do things like that. Is Mark McGuire right by saying they should not be held back? Because all of these players, without a doubt, should be in the Hall of Fame. There isn't a doubt about that. But because they did something at a time where it wasn't not allowed. I won't say it was allowed, but it wasn't set in stone that it wasn't allowed. Should these players be allowed in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, you're, you're right. There was, there was an unwritten moral code to it, kind of. There wasn't, 
any legal or on the books rule that said you couldn't use PEDs. But let me start this because this is going to be a pretty lengthy answer for me as a Cardinals fan, as all especially. Um, my first Cardinals T-shirt when I was two years old was a Mark McGuire T-shirt. I can believe the guy, that the guy the guy was for the first five years of my life. All anybody in my family ever talked about was Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire. Those Cardinal teams were mediocre as heck. Mark McGuire was the only guy that kept people coming to the ballpark until he retired. That's right. Until Albert Pujols came into a game for him in 2001. I've always thought that was ironic how Albert's rookie year, he had to start the season as a left fielder, ended up at third base. Then they trade for Scott Rowland. Then McGuire gets hurt at the end of the year. They trade for Will Clark. And then they put Albert at first base in 2002, so on and so forth. But the the home run race of 98, people seem go. to forget. People seem to forget that that entire three months pretty much saved baseball, Larry. It did save there were still a, There were still a lot of people that had not moved on from the strike of 94 that would not watch baseball, wouldn't go to the ballpark, that's not going to go watch these bunch of pansies, you know, play for too much money and then complain about it, yada, yada, so on and so forth. The Cal Ripken streak did a lot, and the 95 season did a lot, and and it, it kind of continued to trend upward. You know, you have a team like the Marlins win the World Series in 97. The home run race in 98 cemented baseball's immortality baseball at that time had a mortality to it that cemented the immortality of the sport i don't think i have ever seen a network since that time can all their programming for a fall tuesday night lineup to show a baseball game between a team that had been eliminated and a team that had already clinched their division but that's what happened when McGuire hit 62. Fox canned their regularly scheduled brand new programming and put up the Cardinals-Cubs game on that Tuesday night. The Cubs had already won the Central with a month left because the division was that bad. The Cardinals were that mediocre. They had already been eliminated from the wild card at that point too. The Cardinals weren't playing for anything other than 25 and the Cubs weren't playing for anything other than their right fielder who wore number 21. Yeah, and the thing with me that the amazing thing is I don't like how baseball uses people. In other words, what I'm saying is it was okay, and you just mentioned Fox TV as well. It was okay for them to bring the game back to life. The game was dead, pretty much dead. They would, I mean, I'm not a Cardinals fan. I wasn't a Cubs fan. I was a baseball fan, and that was good for the game of baseball. How much money? Did Major League Baseball make off these two characters? They made a buttload of money that wouldn't have been made, and possibly to this day, the game would have never been back. I mean, it might have been back by now, but who knows how long it would have took. That was okay. But when it comes time to, you know, where this situation comes up, and Major League Baseball knows McGuire. Now, let me explain to folks. McGuire and Sosa are on the ballot. But it's right. the writers who are choosing not to. It's like the writers have never done anything wrong in their life. They're perfect <laughs> citizens. They're role models. You know, guys, I can tell you, I've been around the media. I know Brett's been around the media. These guys are not role models. Believe Every me. Every one of okay? those guys is as far from that title as they can be. Trust right. me. And you know, right. And we both know that. But at the end of the day, for writers to not allow players in is wrong because I guarantee you, yes, and there are players against them being in for whatever reasons. But, you know, you listen to people, you know, about Pete Rose, about Barry Bounds, about Maguire. Pete Rose is a whole nother uh, subject, okay? But there is no reason why these guys, and I'm going to tell you something. Brett, I'm going to tell you this, and I know you'll believe this. There are players that are in the Hall of Fame right now that have used PEDs, but it's oh, yeah. never been it's never revealed, come yeah. never come to life. So 
those people smart on them. They're keeping quiet. But at the end of the day, this is wrong. And I think all these guys, Roger Clemens, arguably with Pedro Martinez, the best pitcher of our lifetime, possibly. I, well, I won't say my lifetime, but I don't remember the 60s with Denny McLean and Bob Gibson. That's a whole other era of baseball. I'm talking about it in the common area here where we were like, probably the two best should. It, 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 it's, it does more harm to baseball fans like you and me, these fellas not being in um, the Hall of Fame than, you know, than and, being and I, I, out of it. I want to keep going on this if we can, because this is this is something that I've actually wanted to talk about for a while, so I'm glad we're doing this. Um, from the writer's perspective and from a perspective of a lot of fans, the reason that these guys are in is the performances they put on and the memories that they created, a lot of people feel like they were robbed when they found out about these guys being involved with PEDs. But as and this is not me as a Cardinals fan trying to defend the guy, but as Mark McGuire said, there was no rule on the books that said you couldn't use what they were using. And That's he did like, say, excuse me one second, He just to interject a minute, he did also say if there was a rule, anyone that knows him would tell you he would not have used them. Exactly. If he would have known that it would have hurt himself, his career, his ball club, any of the four of those guys especially, the kind of competitors that they were, they wouldn't break a rule that they were aware of to get an advantage. Those guys wanted to win. Period. Right. And the only and the only thing PEDs and I won't say the only thing is it does not teach you to hit a ball as far as Maguire hits no. the ball. And that's, and that is the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that I have always touched on and I've tried to drill into people's heads. Right. Taking and steroids Bob, did not make Barry Bonds or Sammy Sosa right. or Mark McGuire be able to make contact. It made them be right. able to hit the ball farther. Right. But as far as actually hitting the baseball, no. That doesn't just magically happen. And there's a lot more that goes into uh, hitting a baseball than power. You got eye contact. You got the correct way to swing, the incorrect. What pitches? It doesn't tell you the PED that you took doesn't have a signal in your head that says don't swing at that pitch or swing at that right. pitch. When you look at Bonds, as many walks he had, it doesn't help a pitcher locate a pitch. It helps with your stamina. Maybe at the end of the year you have more, a little bit more stamina because you took that, or at the end of a game when it's a long game. But when it comes to skill and ability, PEDs, PEDs, have nothing to do with it. Roger Clemens might have had another mile or two on his fastball, but don't tell me that the, it was the PED that made him hit the inside corner or the outside corner or, or do down low about location. Stadium anything about location and that's what's wrong it has nothing to do with the ability all it has to do with is the power now i still and see that's that's the thing to me the writers for the longest time have been punishing these guys for everything they did before and everything they may or may not have done after they were on peds it's like if the nfl were to take away all of fred bolitnikoff's wide receiver stats because they made stickum illegal before they had gloves for wide receivers. Lester it would be Hayes, like it would be like if the NHL took away all of Gordie Howe's stats because you couldn't wear a helmet then and you have to wear a helmet now. The argument okay. doesn't make any sense. You're taking away from the numbers that they put up at the time, the things they were doing, other guys were doing, but the other guys that may have been taking PEDs. They weren't putting up those numbers because they weren't as talented as Barry Bonds. They weren't as talented as Mark McGuire or Roger Clemens or Sammy Sosa. They didn't have the talent or the ability before that. These guys you know, had that talent and the ability, and they put up the numbers before that. Mark McGuire won, won a Rookie of the Year award with Oakland in 1989. Barry Bonds carried the Pittsburgh Pirates on his back in the early 90s. Okay, Roger Clemens won like 1,200 Cy Young Awards. <laughs> and you know what? 
more importantly, I don't give a crap what the writers want. The fans None of us want do. to see these guys. The fans are and the that's ones what that stinks. Most. That's right, what stinks. The fans is... are losing out because of the writers. Exactly. Because it's it's in their hands. Hall of Fame, MVP, Silver Slugger, all these awards that we put so much value into as fans and all these accolades that we care so much about and we delve so much into are in the hands of a bunch of incompetent old white guys that wouldn't know their rear end from a hole in the ground if a book hit him in the face. Yep, I agree 100%. We could talk about this all day long, but at the end of the day, this is a wrong that needs to be made right. Let's go to one more topic before we go to break. And, you know, Terry Francona, um, it looks like, it looks like from what we're hearing, he's going to step down after the season. And for those of you folks, uh, you know, all of you should know who Terry Francona is, the manager of the Cleveland Indians. You know, he was the one that ended the 86-year uh, drought for the Boston Red Sox by winning the World Series. He's a two-time World Series title winner in Boston, three times manager of the year. I mean, Terry Francona, my friend, uh, he's going to be missed. He's done a lot for baseball in the last 20 years. Yeah, but it's just time for him. Um, he has... He has tried his hardest to battle it out in Cleveland. Nearly won a World Series there uh, in 2016. Well, you know, he's injured, uh, when, when too. They lost to the, the Cubs. Yeah. Right, he's, the back injury. The, right, he's had the back injury. He's beaten cancer not once but twice, I think, now. Um, he, I think he may have had it once at the end of his Red Sox tenure, but uh, Terry Francona is the definition of a fighter. He's also the definition of a baseball lifer, and it, it, it's simply time. Uh, he's done, he's not going to tell you this to, to your face because he's always going to want to do more. That's just the kind of person he is. He's a competitor first and foremost. Um, but it's time for him to, to take that step back because this Cleveland team isn't going to get him. He's not going to be able to take this Cleveland team the way it's constructed now or the way it could be constructed next year. He's not going to be able to take them on one more ride. Um, and his health is deteriorating. Yeah. Actually, we're going to go one more story before we're done. Um, it just came down the pipes also that I wasn't aware of this. You might have been. But Craig Council does not have a contract next year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, the Brewers are in first place, and it looks like he's been leaning towards he's going to, just like ball players do, test the free agent market. You know, you've been pretty good with this stuff. You follow up on it. Does Council come back as the Brewers manager next year? If you would have asked me this question two weeks ago, I would have answered it back with, are the Milwaukee Brewers going to be in Milwaukee next year? That was until Wisconsin State Legislature just passed this week $600 million bond referendum to renovate American Family Field uh, in Milwaukee to keep the Brewers there. Uh, if that doesn't get passed, the Brewers are probably moving. Um, so two really important stadium deals came down this week. Of course, your Tampa Bay Rays get one. I'm sure we'll talk about that coming up too. But um, I, I don't want to say yes or no because you look at the job that he's done, there's a couple of teams that have underwhelmed expectation-wise this season. One of them wears a very famous shade of pinstripe that I think if they do what we think they're going to do, Craig Council would be just the kind of guy they want to bring in to right the ship and create a culture of accountability from their stars. There's a guy that can do that. It's, it's Craig Council. And you know who yeah. I'm talking about. Yep, absolutely. Well, listen, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to go ahead, folks, and tell you Play a little game with Brett. It's going to be called Back or Not Back. Talking about some of the managers on the hot seat and what our thoughts are. We might even throw in a couple names we think we're placing some of them since we uh, do uh, are fans of some of these teams So and we do follow them. So let's go ahead. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Baseball along with Brett Wiseman. I'm Larry Frank. And what a great, great segment we had the first segment. We talked about a couple of managers, Craig Council and uh, Terry Francona being two of them. Now, Brett, it's time, man. We got to play the game back or not back in 2024. And I want to start off, hey, let's start in the city of, I should say the state of New York, two different cities just on the opposite side. Aaron Boone, back or not back? Not back. I would hope not back for the Yankees' sake. Um, we've talked about it at nauseum on this program. The culture that exists there, um, the, the way that he handles things, um, there are too many cons to bringing him back. I see, I see no pros. The Yankee fan has one to throw out there. Please do. Uh, but I, I see no positive to bringing him back next year. You, you've got to get somebody else in that seat. You know, you mentioned Craig Council. I do want to hit on this. What's the chances of former Yankee captain Don Mattingly coming back to manage this team? I think those would be your top two choices, honestly. Um, because because of what you want to accomplish from a psychological perspective uh, as far as this Yankee team is concerned. Um, as we've talked about it, there's no accountability from the stars. Aaron Boone is very hands-offish. Um, he, he doesn't challenge anyone. No one challenges him in return. Uh, there's, it's just dysfunctional. Um, and someone that can bring a clubhouse together and create a culture of accountability, those two names will be at the top of the list. It's also someone that, unlike Aaron Boone, played a lot longer than three years for the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone did not play for the Yankees that long. He had one famous home run off Tim Wakefield and did nothing else productive or memorable as a member of the New York Yankees. It's the only memorable but it was thing big he time. did. It was, yeah, it was big time. It's the only thing he did as a Yankee. Don Mattingly did a heck of a lot more in the thousand-some games he played for the Yankees than Aaron Boone did in the 300-some he played for the Yankees. Okay, Don Mattingly knows what it takes to be a New York Yankee. He knows how to win as New York Yankee. That's right. He sure does. Okay, now let's move on. Let's move on to the next New York City. And I agree with you. I want to give my opinion too. There, I agree that he will not be back. Now another guy I don't think will be back is across town, Buck Showalter. I think Showalter got into too much of managing the way the Mets wanted him to manage rather than the way he knows how to manage. This is the place I think Council ends up if he doesn't come back with the Bruins. I think wherever, whoever gets hired by the Yankees, in my estimation, the other one out of that Mattingly Council duo ends up with the New York Mets. One's going to go to one borough, the other's going to go to the other borough. Uh, uh, needless to say, Buck Showalter's not going to be back. He's already halfway out the door. All right, and Steve Cohen is basically shoving him out an inch at a time until the season ends. Steve Cohen just can't wait to get rid of him at this point. You know, there's another former Met that a lot of people don't talk about, and I don't even know if you know who he is. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic here because he wasn't a starter for the Mets, but he became a hell of a coach. A guy named Tim Bogart. He was an oh, yeah. utility infielder for the New York Mets, has done really good. If they want to stay in-house and keep that, you know, like the Yankees would do maddingly, keep the Yankee name in, I'd say Tim Bogart would be another good the unexpected guy if they weren't going to go with a big-time name. Uh, how about Boston Red Sox? Does Alan Cora return? I, I think he's back. Um, I can't really point to anything over the course of the season that's really been his fault. Um, there's been a lot of injuries. Uh, there's been a lot of other things that have gone on with their front office. Uh, I feel like he's done the best with the cards that he was dealt, uh, which is why your president of baseball ops in Boston was fired uh, because he put together a mediocre roster that is now playing mediocre. I, I don't think Alex Cora could have gotten any more out of that roster the way it was constructed, especially with uh, a couple of guys being on the shelf for extended periods of time. I don't think he could have done any more with 
the the pieces that he had available. So I think you have to afford him the opportunity to make some improvements in the offseason, add some depth at a few places, and afford him the opportunity to uh, come back because that's somebody that played in Boston for a while, and that's someone who wants to win there as a manager. That, that, that's a I different agree. thing. I agree. He'll be there next year. Oakland, Bonk Kotze. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you named somebody relevant. Um, Mark Kotze is not back. No. Um, okay. The the A's will just they'll, they'll just shuffle out whatever. I I don't even know what they what they do at this point. I'm at this point, Larry. I'm kind of just ignoring the fact that they exist until they move. Uh, yeah, good point there. Um, how about Bob, um, Phil Nevin of the Angels? He's definitely gone. Hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Bob Melvin of San Diego Padres. That one's a little bit tougher, but unlike the Alex Cora situation, the cards Wait. that Bob Melvin was dealt God. were were a lot. They were a lot better cards than what Alex Cora got. Let's just be real about that. So, and Bob Melvin could have and should have gotten a lot more out of that Padres roster, injuries aside, than what he has gotten. So, I don't think there's any question. He's out the door. How about Joe Madden taking over the San Diego Padres? You know, I would almost put money on that right now. Um, I don't know. To be quite honest, I don't know who wants to manage the Los Angeles Angels, especially if Shohei Otani's not going to be there. And if the rumors come true that Mike Trout could be on the trade block in the offseason, I don't know who wants to go manage that crapshoot. I, I don't. And I, I, I pity the person that ends up taking that job because ownership of the Los Angeles Angels is just a dumpster fire. It is a disaster. I, I think Phil Nevin would actually welcome being fired at this point. All right, let's move over to the Chicago White Sox. I know you know my answer on this. Griffel, I say not back. Get him out of here. I don't. He's gone. Just wanted to give you the Royals, Matt. What is it, Quattraro? Yeah, I think I get him a sec. Give him a second year. Um, yeah. Royals have been stockpiled. They've had some, they've had flashes this season. As bad a team Seven as they've three been right now in the last right, they they've had some some flashes of good play. They've had a lot of young guys step up. They've got a good farm system. Uh, four or five guys that are in AAA right now for them are probably going to be on the opening day roster next year. Um, so this is a Royals team. We talked about it. Remember with uh with Hal McRae on the on the uh, or Hal McRae's son uh, on the uh, on the uh, trade deadline show. Um, about where this Royals team sits. You know, they're about two or three years away. So I don't think you can, you, you need to shake things up here when the talent is about 60 to 70% built. All right, let's go Rockies, Bud Black. I think he's back. Um, being an NL West stalwart manager like he is, he also wasn't dealt a, a great set of cards, but. He's gotten a lot out of the cards that he's been dealt. Um, I don't. I don't think their struggles are pinned on him. So I think he's back. All right. Before we get to something you don't want to hear, does Mike Socher come back as a manager in two thousand twenty-four? If he does, I don't know where he goes. Um, so I. I don't think so. Um, your first question would be, oh, does he want to go back to the Angels? No, I I don't think you could pay Mike Socha enough not only to, to come back. I don't think he wants to come back. I don't think you could pay him enough to if, if he wants to come back to go to the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, that would be a spot that would be intriguing if he did because he's been there, knows the system, but like you said, I don't know if he wants, especially – if the two main best ball players in all of Major League Baseball are leaving, why would you? Okay, the question you've been waiting for. What the hell are the St. Louis Cardinals doing, bringing Oliver Marmol back? Larry, I wish I could give you a, a, a good answer to that question or, or an answer that didn't violate FCC regulations. 
Uh, it doesn't make sense. But I, it, doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And the problem, and it's not, let me be clear. The Cardinals struggles this year, and Oliver Marmol, the blame being, play, blame being placed on him, he's not at fault. But at the same time, this is a results-driven business, and there's got to be mm-hmm. some level of accountability taken. Oliver Marmol's pitfall is that he is a yes man for a front office that is incompetent and idiotic. John Mazaluk built a mediocre team. The DeWitt family is afraid to spend money in free agency, even though they have a boatload of it. They don't want to spend it. Yet, the Cardinals have still drawn 3 million-plus fans to the ballpark this year, and they are in the middle of, or about to complete, and have now clinched their first losing season in 16 years. Think about that. This team has not had a losing season since I was in the fourth grade. Okay? Mm. That was a year mm. after they won the World Series also. That's right. Again, this is a results-driven business. And this is not something we're used to as Cardinals fans. I, I am not used to sitting here right now and seeing the teams are be where they are. I'm not used to seeing all those big number in the L column and a not so big number in the W column and STL down here and MIL up here. I'm not used to this, Larry. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. And keeping everything the same and just improving the roster next year, keeping the whole coaching staff the same, doesn't help. It doesn't help. I'm not saying it's Oliver Marmo's fault. It's John Mazalek's fault, plain and simple, 100%. He built a terrible team. He had three superstars and thought that Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Contreras were all going to hit 40 homers, driving 100 runs. They were going to have complementary offensive pieces. And he thought that Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz were going to be the cornerstones of a rock-solid pitching rotation. Guess what? That fell apart pretty quickly, didn't it? No doubt about it. Uh, let's go ahead and let's move on. Uh since you told us exactly how you felt about the St. Louis Cardinals, let's talk about something better now. We're talking about pennant races. When you look in the National League now, the the actual divisions are pretty much set. Atlanta, Milwaukee, and L.A. are going to win their uh, divisions. But I think one of the things that a lot of people have not realized this year is how well the um, – excuse me while I just move something around here – don't know what happened. What the heck just happened there? There we go. How well the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are playing this year. This is a Philadelphia Phillies team that is 83-69 and, and 69. And a lot of people don't recognize them because they're in the division that's with the Atlanta Braves. But when you look at this team up and down, folks, you got Zach Wheeler, the top three pitcher, three phenomenal pitchers. Zach Wheeler, 12 and 6. To John Walker, 15 and 5. Aaron Nola, 12 and 5. But I'll tell you what, just talking about the pitching side of Phillies first, I'm not a big fan of their bullpen. Well, let me just say this. I think they made the right move because it was Craig Kimball, Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell, and they realized he wasn't doing an adequate job. I think he's lost six games this year as a as their closer. Yes, Meanwhile, six saves. Yeah. Jose Alvarado, meanwhile, has been lights out the last who knows how long. Now has eight saves, 1.93 ERA, 57 strikeouts in 37 innings. I'll tell you what, they might have found that new closer, but when you get to the playoffs, and a lot of folks don't realize this, you have a five-man rotation during the season. When it comes to playoff time, you're in a three-man rotation. They have three top pitches that you can probably match up with anyone in Major League Baseball. And it was that trade they made at the deadline that made this team so much more dangerous. It was going and getting Michael Lorenzen, who now you slide into that three spot. Not that Taiwan Walker would have been bad to put at that number three spot, but oh, boom, now you get the guy who is an American League All-Star, throws a no-hitter in his first start with Philadelphia. I mean, come on. This... And then you look at how this team is playing offensively. Kyle Schwarber's having one of the best months he's ever had, whether it was a September or an April. He's hitting the cover off the ball right now. Bryce Harper is back where he's, you know, back into form. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner has woke, woken up and come alive. 
Uh, Bryson Stott, the younger guys towards the bottom of that lineup are stepping up too. JT Realmuto. Then you, you mentioned the bullpen as well. That's the thing that people aren't realizing is in this NL wildcard race. No other team in that wildcard race has the offense or has the pitching that Philadelphia does, period. Agree now, but you mentioned Kyle Schwarber, and it's a great story. He has 44, listen to this, 44 homers, 99 RBIs. He's going to go over the 100 mark before the year's over, obviously, in the RBIs. But here's a guy batting 197 on the year, 204 strikeouts. And then you ask yourself, is he the right guy for them to have? I guess you got to say yes. He's got basically we're telling everyone all his hits are home runs. He's a home run yeah. Hit. That's really what you make up. And but he's doing it by the you look at the RBIs. He's averaging basically per home run two RBIs per home run. So those are two run homers. He's hitting the homers at very big moments. And see, that's that's the thing. Normally, when you look at a guy like that and you see those numbers, and he's the classic uh, swing for the downs every time. And if he doesn't make contact, doesn't make contact. The Phillies can live with that because he's not just hitting solo home runs every time. He's hitting two, three run homers at times. He's hitting grand slams. He's he's coming through. Any his all of his hits might be extra base hits, but somebody is on. Very rarely is he going to do that when someone's not on base. Now, credit also goes to the fact that the Phillies have such a deep lineup that they're able to get on base in front of him. But they know that if they get on base in front of him, they know what can happen. When you look at these guys, it's incredible, like you mentioned. I mean, listen to this. You mentioned Scott. He's batting 283, 61 RBIs. The infield, we always talk about a land as infield, how great it is. Well, Put Schwarber at first. You got Scott at second. Alec Bohm has been 279, 17 homers. This kid has 92 RBIs this year. And wait a minute. Hold on. Bohm and Stott, it's their first full year in the big leagues. And both of them have 60-plus RBIs. And look at Trey Turner. Two, you mentioned him. 267, 26 homers. 75 RBIs, and I mean, first base is Bryce Harper, not not Schwarber. And Trey Schwarber Turner had a terrible, terrible offensive first half of the season. He sure did. That's right. Now, now you got Harper back, 19 homers, 66 RBIs. One guy I didn't hear you mention having a terrific season also is Nick Casalano, um, yep. the left fielder, 27 homers. He has 99 RBIs, so you're going to have two guys over 100 and who knows what happens this week with Bohm? Can he get eight RBIs? I, I don't know. But this is a Phillies team by far that I think when you look at the wild card teams right now, has to be the most dangerous wild card team in the whoever makes it in the NL. No, w- without a doubt. Like I said, nobody else in that race has the offense. Nobody else in that race has the pitching. Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and look at these races now. Um, pulling it up here. There we go. My beautiful slide right there. You like that 17 wild card? All right, I got it in there. But anyway, when you look at this wild card race um, in the NL, we'll we'll go with the NL first. It's unbelievable, man. Philadelphia has a four-game lead. That's it, okay? Then you got Arizona one-and-a-half game lead up. The Cubs right now would make it if the season ended today. But listen to this. It gets tighter than it was last week. Miami's .5 out. Okay, that's about the same. Cincinnati's one game out. Look who came back in the race. San Francisco still got some time. Three games back. And San Diego decided they would play some good baseball. Won their last eight out of ten. Is it enough? I don't know. They're four and a half games back. I don't think it's going to be enough. We're what? We got basically 10 games left in the season. I don't think they're going to make that up. But you got Arizona, uh, one and a half up, finally pushing a little room. Then you got the Cubs, Miami, Cincinnati. We talk about this every week. Who wins the second and third wild card in this National League? I'm putting Philadelphia as in. 
If you disagree with that, you go ahead and you can change that as well. Well, if you disagree with that, you're obviously an idiot and aren't watching what we're watching. Um, and I put that as bluntly as I can. Uh, Philadelphia's first wild card, period. Uh, nobody else is overtaking them for that. Second wild card, I think you can go ahead and pencil in Arizona. I like because yep. they have the pitching. Um, they have the, the that one-two combo at the top of their rotation. Um, as for that third wild card, that's where it gets tricky. That's where it gets iffy. Uh, San Francisco and San Diego, too little too late for them. Uh, then it comes down to Miami, Cincinnati, and Chicago. When I look at those three teams, the team that's more built to withstand this last 10-game gauntlet would be Miami because they have Skip Schumacher as a very experienced manager. Not that David Ross isn't, but Skip Schumacher played in a lot more meaningful October baseball than David Ross did. I, I'm, I'm sorry. He just did. Skip Schumacher played on a 2011 Cardinals team that was 10 and a half games out of the wild card at the start of September and made that up. That was when there was one wild card. Now there's three. And this is a Marlins team that is, there's certain guys on this roster that have underperformed this year. They are loaded with pitching. Not all the pitching has been up to par. Sandy Alcantara has not been what he was last year, which was win the Cy Young Award. But they made moves at the trade deadline to bolster the offense, bolster the bullpen. This is a Marlins team that, Larry, to, to me, they're just built better and built stronger for this stretch run uh, than the other two teams with season or logos. Yep, and I'm just looking at That's the end of the season. Wow. Next Sunday already. My goodness gracious. Yeah, no doubt about it. We Let's get over to the um, American League, and it's a little bit different here where all the divisions are pretty much decided in the National League. Hold on a minute in the American League. You got the American League East. Baltimore and the Rays split in that series, which means Baltimore is still two games up on the Rays. Can the Rays win this division? We know the wild card, one of them is coming out here. It's either Baltimore or Tampa because they both clinched uh, playoff spot. Um, who wins this division? Right now, I'm going to say Baltimore. Um and it's gonna, but it's. I'm predicting a game 163 on this because this has just been too tight all year, and these two teams are too evenly matched at pitching with their lineups and their bullpens. In every facet, these two teams are too tightly woven to be separated at the end of 162, and we're going to end up with a 163. I don't know whose home game it's going to be, but. I don't know. I just look at who you would start in that game 163, and I don't know. I I just like what Baltimore would be able to do offensively. They've been one of the few teams offensively that's been able to go out there against uh, Tampa Bay's pitching and be able to perform. So I don't know. I, I like Baltimore in either ballpark offensively. I'll tell you what. You think that's a tight race? Move over to the West, Houston has a half-game lead on Seattle and a half-game lead on Texas. It's a three-team race down to the wire. I say, this is my opinion, I would love to see Seattle win it, but I think you got to go with experience here, and I think I'd have to give Houston the nod only because they've been there. I would love to see the Rangers win it. I would love more than anyone else in that division to see the Mariners win it. But you said it, experience. The Astros have it. The other two teams either don't have it or have it in spurts. Uh, the Astros have it up and down the board. This is... It's 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 an easy, simple bet. It's not going to be... They're not going to pull away by any stretch of the imagination. It may take a game 163. It may take a game 164. Who knows? We're going to have a three-way tiebreaker. But not only that, but when you look at the wild card, Brett, both of those teams are battling also for a wild card spot because you got Toronto. We know Tampa Bay's in with a nine game lead. You got Toronto right. one game up on Seattle and Texas. So, one thing's for sure 
Either three AL East teams make it in the playoffs or three AL West teams. Toronto, I told you, I felt like they would get in there. They have moved up since last week, as you can see. But I'll tell you what, I would love to see the way it is now with Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Seattle only because, but then I look at Texas and I said, gosh, that's a team capable of doing some damage in the playoffs as well. So I'm really torn right here between, I mean, this is a great race. I think Texas is a better team than Seattle. I really do. Um, that's no disrespect. I, I think they are, but I think I think the loss of Max Scherzer is going to be what does them in because you're going to need a Max. That. You're going to need a Max Scherzer, whether it be in a tiebreaker game or in an important final game, final day of the season. You're going to need Max Scherzer. You don't have him. Period. Yeah, it's going to be a fun last week, folks. I'll tell you what. I know we're running out of time. We didn't get to talk about the Rays today in the new stadium. Uh, it's not a big deal. If you haven't heard, they're staying in St. Pete and Rays fans are still finding out ways to complain because they're not in Tampa Bay. But anyway, right. But you know what? It's going to be a great, great, great last 10 days of the season. Funny thing is we're back next Friday, right before the last series. Uh, so, uh, (laughs) what a way to, you know, end the regular season here. Um, with the show, you know, from a regular season standpoint, it's going to be fun, folks. I'll tell you what, don't miss it. The greatest time of year. I know football's going on, but there's nothing like playoff baseball. The best time of year on behalf of myself and Brett Wiseman, NGSC Sports, Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Thank you all for tuning in, and we're getting ready for the stretch run, folks. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Good night.